0: Listening to the Dope Post podcast, Adam Doe, Sam Shin, um, or as he likes to be called Shin Sen in the membrane. Yeah, Shin Sen in the membrane. Is that how the lyric goes? I forget. Yeah,
1: that, that's that's how Joe refers to me. Yeah,
0: Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Glad to be on. Um, you know, I really thought by this this time that the whole pandemic thing would be like a lot better. But it mostly feels the same, or or worse, actually. Um, I, I read your your post about you know telling 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 our friends to you know stay stay home, don't go out. Um, I I feel like it's so it's so dumb to like our people our age um, that are going out, but like they still post about themselves online going out instead of just you know being quiet about it.
1: Yeah, I think for me it's like if you're gonna break the rules essentially and and go out then at least don't post about it you know like you know that what you're doing is wrong you know or, or at least seen as wrong um in public perception and so you know at least just don't post about it if you're going to go out
0: but people do it anyway I'm not sure why I don't get it either yeah um so how, how's the situation uh where you're at yeah I mean
1: I'm I don't think I'm too far from you maybe like half an hour 40 minutes but um, you know, down in OC, it's uh, getting pretty crazy over here. Um, I know they just shut down bars again and, and restaurants um, over the past week. Um, for the most part, when I'm going out, like people are staying at home and, and whatnot and, and wearing masks. But, you know, there are the, there are the occasional people that, you know, can't, can't keep to themselves, essentially.
0: Where, uh, where, where are your, where are your locations that you, uh, you go out to your, your essentials? Um, for me, that's my, my parents, they, my mom takes care of the groceries for the house. So I don't have to go shopping for, for food, but I just go to like Chipotle, Chick-fil-A or anywhere that where I just get food like really quickly and not have to stay inside a building or anything like that.
1: Yeah I only go to the grocery store really Um, and even then like I've been doing Instacart a lot uh, ordering from like Costco it's just so much easier because Costco has so many people you know every single time and so I'd rather not try to be near that many people right now and um, other than that though I I mean I'm not really really going out too much I feel like I have what I need at home Um, and yeah I mean even when I order food I'll use like DoorDash. so my sister and i share um they call it a dash pass uh, subscription it's like 10 bucks a month and they basically cut some of your fees and the delivery fees and all that so we usually use that to order food if anything so
0: just trying to do my part here do you uh do you have a uh gym like at, at your house or apartment because i know you used to work out so do you have like your own setup
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much space here, but, like, maybe a few weeks ago, I ordered, like, dumbbells off of Amazon. Um, It was a slight investment, but, you know, I just kind of looked at it in the long run. I I knew that this wasn't going to get better in the near uh, near future, so um, got some of that. Probably need to order some more weights, but um, do that. And then once in a while, um, I'll go to one of my uh, friend's place just because I know, like, he's been staying inside. Um, And just for my sanity's sake, uh, he lives like 10 minutes away. So sometimes I'll I'll go to his place and um, he has like a home gym setup. So I'll work out there if anything. But um, if if he like goes out anywhere or if he like sees other people, then I won't see him. But otherwise, that's like the only other place that I go to.
0: I do outdoor walks in the afternoon or morning. And I still find myself being the only person who like once I see someone approaching me, I like go to the other side of the street to walk. And I'm the only person that does that. Everyone else, like either they're wearing masks or they're not, but they're still just like walking right past each other on the actual sidewalk. And I yeah. still find that amazing, like this far into quarantine.
1: Yeah, I, I do that too. Sometimes when I'll be, if my car's like of, parked on the street and I'll like go out and someone's walking down the same path as me, then I'll like, you know, walk a few feet over to the right. And just go past them. But yeah, I agree with you, man. It's, uh, it's crazy times right now.
0: And I see people online saying like, just wear a mask if you want football or basketball back. But I feel like at this point in time, like that's that's probably not going to happen. With uh, either, you know, basketball or football, the next season, um, assuming the, the regular season it goes fine. Um, next season, I don't see it happening like soon, even though we wear masks like right now.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Adam. I think along the trajectory we were going previous to maybe like the past two weeks, we were kind of flattening the curve in California. Things were getting a lot better. That's why they, or that's part of the reason why they opened things back up. And, um, you know, people, uh, people were listening and staying inside a little bit more. So I honestly thought that at some point next season, we might have fans. But I think the past two weeks has kind of negated everything that we have made progress on the past three months. And so I'm not sure at this point, if like you said, we will have fans in the arena next season.
0: As a fellow Lakers fan, um, how do you feel about our chances going to the bubble? I feel great, man. Honestly, I think every, every team is
1: well rested. And so I don't think the rest makes a, a huge difference, but I do think that the rest helps maybe a little bit more for some players Um, compared to others and you know we got best player in the world LeBron James on our team Um, you know nearing the end of his career so any rest for him I think would would help a lot Uh, and I know he's been working out staying in shape all that stuff Um, I think it's been good I I, I just hope that you know we can continue kind of our momentum we were on a really good streak before the season was suspended and I feel like the chemistry was on point so remains to be seen in the next month or so if they can kind of get back to the, the way they were playing before and if they were able to kind of strike up that same level of chemistry that they had before. But I know we're waiting on Dwight Howard's announcement right now.
0: You've been watching the Lakers, like, a lot longer than I have. So I, I want to ask, when, um, you know, the, the storylines with, like, Luca, for example, where he's relatively new, Has, have you ever seen in basketball where a rookie like Luca? Um, you know, let's say, let's say we, we face, let's say the Lakers are the first seed in the playoffs and, uh, Luca and the Mavs are are going to be the eighth seed, for example. And have you ever seen a case where, you know, a rookie like Luca actually upsets someone like the Lakers in the first seed?
1: Oh man, I don't have to think back on that, but I mean, not, not that one comes to mind. Um, The only eight-one upset I can really think about is when uh, the We Believe Warriors beat the Mavericks team, but they didn't really have someone like Luca per se. They just had a couple guys on their team who were um, electric per se. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm just concerned because you know usually historically the the eighth seed always loses in the first round, and so with like everyone getting more rest, I'm just really worried that the Lakers are just caught off guard and then they lose in the first round of the playoffs and that would just be really embarrassing. Yeah, I
1: think that's always a concern, right? Especially with this layoff. But I think with the team that the Lakers have, you know, they got a lot of veterans and guys that know that that's a possibility. I think that's the difference is, you know, when you got a bunch of new guys in the league on one team, maybe they're talent-wise they're good. But like you said, when they get into the playoffs, it's a whole different story. But I think the Lakers got veterans that have been through that experience like Dwight Howard, right? Like LeBron and, um, you know, even AD uh, in the few playoff series he's been in. So I think they'll be able to handle it pretty well, but, uh, you know, we don't know what that bubble is going to look like just yet. Uh, I'm just excited to have basketball back. I'm sure you are too.
0: Yeah. Um, so Sam on Monday, uh, when this episode is hopefully released, it'll be the one year anniversary of us going to sports business classroom. Wow. Uh, 2019. Yeah. A year has passed really quickly. And I wanted you on to just talk about this past year. But, you know, more more importantly, talk about our week because I I, I didn't really hang out with you that much because I knew we were friends already. So it didn't, you know, best to meet meet new people. And I think you had the same mentality. So um, I want to actually start off with uh, the night that Larry Kuhn came to our club what did you think of his presentation and like, what do you think of him?
1: Yeah, honestly, like I think having followed basketball, like I'd heard his name here and there, but never really knew like what he did per se. And I remember, um, yeah, just like the presentation was great. Like it's always enticing, but you know, the, the finance is like, is the biggest portion, right? Anytime you're thinking about investing in anything, it's always about it always comes down to money. It comes down to the dollar signs, how much you really want to put into it. And ultimately you kind of have to weigh like risk versus benefit. And so for me, like I just kind of passed it up initially when I heard about it, it was just one of those sports conferences you hear about. And there's a ton out there. So it's just another one that was in the pile for me. And I didn't really put much thought into it. And probably wasn't until maybe like two months later, I think he came around like, beginning of the year, if I'm not mistaken, um, like January. And so it wasn't until like March or April that I really started thinking seriously about it. And at that point, you know, everyone in sports talks about investing and, you know, making a big investment and believing in yourself and betting on yourself. So I was like, you know what, like, I don't really have anything on my resume to back me up if, cause I was going through my senior year at that point. And so I'm thinking if I graduate, I don't really have anywhere to go. I don't have a job to get. Like, I don't have the experience to back me up to, to work in sports at this point. So I was thinking to myself, like, this is going to be the jump start for me. Like, if I can get to this program, learn, immerse myself. And I knew about the, um, I know you haven't mentioned it, but I, I knew about the, um, the rewarding, I guess the, the reward that they had which was like the top four performers out of all the participants get an internship back to summer league this following season. So I was like, you know what, that is like the one thing that I could put on my resume if I get it. So just put, you know, invested into it. Um, I actually created, I don't know if you know, Adam, I created like a GoFundMe. Um, Oh and, yeah, I saw. Yeah, yeah. And so I like shared it with family and friends. Um, you know, went like door to door, uh, was asking people at church, like was texting people, calling people, everything, and was able to raise close to the the required amount. Um, and so thankfully, I was able to to go.
0: I thought I was going to be the only one that that was going to go because uh, you you actually you actually applied after I did, and I remember right. you asking me for like advice or right, yeah. Um, be honest. When when Larry did his presentation, did you did you think it was a little sketchy, a little you know? too good to be true
1: yeah yeah and i i think larry he's he's a very cool guy but yeah i think any time that you know you're you're pitched something like that where they're like you know you're going to meet all these people and get access to the best people in the industry like every conference is going to say that you know no conference is going to say hey you're going to get access to like the the mid-tier people in the league like everyone's going to say that you know you're going to uh you're going to be able to meet the best and the greatest um from across the league so you know, it's just another thing that you hear essentially the first time. And yeah, I, I did think it was a little bit sketchy. It's just kind of like, uh, I'm not too sure about this. You know, $3,000 is a lot of money.
0: I really think it has to do with the fact that, um, we, we live in the OC and we go to UC, UCI, which is in a sports school. Like I bet if we went to USC and then Larry comes, like we would, we would definitely be like, you know, totally in totally right. trusting. Yeah. I agree there. Um, For me, I think I I thought the whole program was really cool, but then it was $3,500 about. So I actually planned um, to save up money for the entire year and then try to learn more about sports or get other experience and then go this year, which obviously would have been a terrible mistake. Right. So uh, yeah, I remember Larry just reaching out to me the night before the discount deadline. And I realized like, I've been pitched so many different opportunities before, but this was the first time where like the lead person actually emailed you directly asking if you had any questions before the deadline. So that just convinced me that he's being genuine with trying to help people and trying to um, advance careers. Right. Yeah. That's cool though. So was there like a moment like, like, like with me where Larry contacting you that made you realize like you got to go for it or you just kind of came to the, decision yourself
1: yeah i think i just kind of fought over it a lot with myself on how i want to move forward and and what do i want to do like do i want to invest in this and ultimately yeah like i reached out to you because i knew you applied and you were the only one from sbc or sba that um, applied and so you know i asked you and you know you you said you did it and so ultimately i looked through the application and i was like you know what like why don't i just do it you know just go for it and i contacted larry around the same time um, asked him a few questions um, and he re- yeah he like to your point he really seemed like he wanted to help uh, Larry's a very genuine guy too I mean now speaking in hindsight too uh, and so ultimately yeah I just kind of came to that conclusion that I'm gonna apply and just go for it and you know it all worked out like you said
0: the the night before we we, we made the drive did you sleep a lot or did you barely sleep
1: I don't really think i slept that
0: much because i i was up packing i think
1: and i think oh so the night before we left i was actually doing some more research and I'd, I'd kind of put together some notes on like some of the speakers that we knew were going to come for sure and so i was doing a lot of research and some um you know preliminary stuff on on them to make sure that i had all my you know um preparation done before i headed out so i definitely didn't sleep that much i think i slept like maybe like three or four hours but also a lot of anxiety and, and nervousness just like you
0: yeah same here i didn't sleep that much either i was also packing late into the night um i remember driving you that morning and you had your physical notes printed out and you were studying and something i've always wanted to know like did those notes like help you that much and did did you still find yourself like caught off guard with uh people that you didn't really uh study up on
1: yeah 100% 100% so to answer the first part yes it they, the notes helped me tremendously. Um, I mean, I don't know if you remember. I was, like, studying the notes, like, all week. Um, and I had, like, 12 pages printed of just, like, bullet points on, like, people and, and all that. And I did all the research that I could. Like, I was looking up interviews, like, all that stuff. Like, I just wanted to make sure I was prepared for, like, the week. I, I mean, if I'm – regardless of whether it was my money or not, the fact that I'm putting in $3,000, like, I wanted to make sure – I was ready and that I didn't essentially didn't want to leave anything behind. You know, I don't want to come back and be like, damn, like I, like I could have done that or like I should have done that. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, the notes helped me a lot. I mean, just being able to refer back to those and, you know, I can't remember everything on, on every person. So just like going back on that throughout the week was, was helpful. But yeah, I mean, to your point, um, as the week passed by, you know, we had so many dropping guests and people that we didn't expect and, your initial reaction is just like holy crap like you know it's like Mark Cuban or or whatever
0: before I forget I've had a lot of SP of our uh, SPC friends on and they're you know our age college and I've always asked like how did your parents uh think about your decision and uh I, I I don't know like how everyone how everyone you know started the conversation but you know for me it was how, how's this gonna help your your economics major, Adam? And how how's this gonna get you a job after school, Adam? So did did you have that kind of conversation?
1: Yeah, I think so. My my parents are actually in Korea, but when I was talking to them about the whole thing, like they didn't really understand. I'm sure you you feel the same way, but like traditional Asian American parents don't really understand like what it means to work in sports. And like I don't really blame them because it's not a very popular profession within the Asian community and even for me like you know just like you and me like we didn't really know about it till like last year too you know so when I was telling my parents it was more of like yeah like kind of the same conversation because I majored in international studies or international relations and so my parents are kind of like are you sure like this is the route that you want to go you know like you studied this for the last four years Uh, maybe you should consider going to grad school all that stuff and didn't really like shoot it down but I knew that they weren't too excited about it
0: you might be the first international studies major to make it in the sports world I can't think of anyone else Sam I think
1: there's a few that I know of um people that I've connected with on like LinkedIn
0: but it's it's very very rare so your parents were in Korea at the time when you told them right correct okay so you didn't have to go through the the actual in-person confrontation about <laughs> fight your finances and your life decisions like like I did. Um, yeah. Cl- I'm glad you didn't have to go through that. Yeah. All right, going back to the the Vegas drive. It was like a 4-hour drive, I think. I remember I remember looking over and you were just happily napping or studying your notes. <laughs> and then we we stopped at that subway, I remember. Yeah. Um and then we got to the hotel, the uh the Palms and then i I remember you saw you saw um Rozier right Terry Rozier, and I did I, yeah, I, I didn't like, notice at all,
1: yeah, that was like the first like welcome to to this whole big shebang moment, you know, like standing literally standing in line, first thing we're doing as we enter from the parking lot, standing in line um at the uh the hotel desk um front desk, and trying to check in, I see this guy walk across. He's, like, over six feet for sure. And he looks like an NBA player. And then I'm, like, dude, he looks really familiar. But I didn't want to, like, make any assumptions. Then I look at, like, his basketball shorts, and he's wearing, like, Charlotte Hornets, like, basketball shorts. And I was, like, oh, my God, like, that's, that's Terry Rogier. But I didn't want to, like, say what's up to him or anything. I was just too too scared, you know, right? Literally, like, first moment and that happened. And I think that was a moment where I was kind of, like, this is, this is going to
0: be a pretty crazy weekend. This was one of those moments where, you know, I'm a nearsighted person. I'm not totally blind, but, like, I can't <laughs> – I, I wouldn't be able to, to spot, like, an NBA player across the, 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 the lobby. And, uh, yeah, this was, like, one of those moments where I'm really jealous.
1: Yeah, that was just – that was crazy. And I was like, I can't wait to tell the other people about this. And then I found out later that some of those other guys – Saw like three or four NBA players already. Uh, I think Marvin Bagley was like chilling in the lobby or something like that. So, uh,
0: did you do you remember when we uh I got I basically got everyone in trouble because you know that lady from the casino gambling area came over and like wanted to check IDs and everyone there was like twenty one or over except me and so because of me like we had to like move. We're, <laughs> I remember that
1: that was like um right by the bar, right they it had was, that like little sports bar and then right behind all the the- the um the machines right the slot machines
0: yeah, yeah, we yeah. after we checked in we yeah went, yeah we we found some people and we yeah. walked over and we we hung out for a bit, and then that yeah. lady just came and kicked us out because of me i <laughs> I think because of you too because we both look really young, but it's just that you were twenty one so it wasn't i was twenty
1: one I had like just turned twenty one yeah, yeah.
0: And then I don't, I don't remember, you know, really what happened next, but, like, we we just got transported to the UNLV arena. Looking back, I feel like the, the SBC interns, they were really just stressed out at the time because they had to, like, manage, about the, manage the rooms, but, like, also manage the students or whatever. And then they made it look like everything was planned out. And then we got to sit in the Atlanta Hawks um, press conference for their new players. Did you uh, – well, did you meet any, anyone there? Did you have any, like, cool conversations or memories?
1: No, but, I mean, when we were, do you remember, like, when we were, like, because that was, like, on the, um, we were, like, right in front of, like, there was, like, a desk, and there were, like, interns there handing out. That's when we got, like, our bags, the Summer League bags with, like, our, our notepad inside and all that stuff. And then, do you remember, like, we were waiting in front of that wall because there was, like, a door, and then they were, like, waiting for it to be open? So they were still setting up the press room inside. But while we were waiting there, there were like literally three Phoenix Suns players just sitting on the couch. They were just like eating pizza. And I think it was like Cam Johnson, uh, Ty Jerome, and someone else. Uh, Ty Jerome was a rookie last year. uh, Cam Johnson as well. And then I forgot who the third guy was, but they were just literally just like chilling like five feet away from us, just eating pizza, lounging around on the couch. And I was like, This is, like, literally so crazy. Like, NBA players just chilling. No bodyguards, no security guards, anything. And, like, given they're rookies, but still, like, if this was a normal regular season atmosphere, you know, like a regular season game, they definitely have, like, security blocked off or, you know, personal space. But they're
0: literally just, like, out in the open concourse level. I didn't know. I didn't know who they were at the time, but... You know, I could have guessed that they were basketball players of some team because they're just so tall, and yeah. They, they stand out so so much in the crowd. Um, looking back now, it's like ah, uh, like we could have, we could have, we could have just gone to summer league without paying the thirty five hundred and just seen some NBA players and NBA execs walk around.
1: Right. Yeah, but I mean, we probably wouldn't have gotten. I mean, I know you get to, it, but like, we probably not, wouldn't have gotten exclusive access to
0: to them essentially. I remember it was, it was really, it was really cool because probably the first time in my life where just like in, in that really crowded area, waiting for the room, we got to like meet new people. But I remember meeting like every single person you met, like it was very likely that they weren't from the same state. So there's like someone from Georgia, someone from California, like us, but maybe NorCal, it I think it kickstarted the, the 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 week off pretty well, just like meeting our, our classmates and whatnot. Going into the room though, did you feel any nervousness at all when the networking part came and you know everyone was supposed to walk around and meet 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 people? So you're talking about like um, the first night, right? First night um, when we you actually we we actually entered the room and then I right. think the press conference was over and there was right. this like dinner slash networking where got it uh, yeah
1: yeah no I for sure was because there were so many people there and just kind of like like how am I supposed to meet everyone you know and like you want to meet the right people but at the same time you want to be able to say hi to everyone and get to know a good amount of people but I was glad I mean I found a good like few people that I felt like I was close to like at that whole conference um Aaron was one of those guys uh I think he plays? I forgot what college he plays for, but he plays uh, hoops in college right now. Um, big, tall, white guy, uh, really cool guy. But yeah, it was it was pretty crazy, and the room was super big. And man, like first night jitters is always like you got to get that out of the way, you know. But how did you feel?
0: I was I was feeling really honestly. I was feeling really nervous and and anxious until maybe the second the second night or the third night, either or and we'll get to that. We'll get to why later. But um I, I appreciated like having Steve Shenbaum as the first like event of the night. Yeah, that was amazing. I looking back on it, I think what 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 his job was to do was to like calm everyone down and make the whole week not not like a cutthroat where it's like you're not really competing. You're, you're you're there to like learn stuff together. So don't, you know, let your guard down. Don't feel like everyone is out to get you or professionally, of course. Remember those like silly silly games we played where I don't even know what, what it's called, but yeah. I remember Chanel's um Chanel's dog spot, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, was
1: yeah, that was super creative and like I mean it was the best way to open up the night. And I think Larry was talking about it too, that like he like he's Steve Shenbaum's done it for like the past like two two, three years, the the opening act. And like initially you're just kind of like oh he just sounds like every other like motivational speaker or like every other like comedian he was like a mix of like both like he's really funny but also like very engaging and and motivating and he had a message behind it and at the end he like tied it all together but in the beginning you're just kind of like maybe it's part of the nerves like or whatnot but the instant at least for me I don't know about you but like that instant judgment for me was like uh, I don't know about this like is just another one of those, like, opening motivational acts to, like, get everyone fired up and, like, ready to go and all that. But, like, by the end, I was, like, I was so inspired. And I was, like, man, this was, this was awesome. Like, I feel like he totally broke some of my, like, anxiety down and my nervousness down. And I was still nervous the rest of the week, but definitely, like, not as much as I was before we had that evening with Steve Shenbaum.
0: The usual motivational speakers I've seen – they're, they're more like preachers and they, right. they just they tell you like the direct message or whatever. Right. And it doesn't really resonate with you. But like what Steve did was he made us play games that were like really funny. But then he, he explained. Yeah, he, he explained the importance of the game. And so I think everyone took something different from the games, I think. Yeah. First, you know, first day, uh, you're still feeling nervous, I think. But, you know, by this point, we, we, we separated and I tried to sit with like new people and you, you did the same thing um any any stories to tell
1: oh man it was feels like it was such a long time ago let's do
0: let's do let's do like either any anything you want to talk about from monday tuesday wednesday (sighs) let's say let's split it up from like beginning of the week to middle of the week to end of the week kind of thing
1: honestly i i don't know that i remember it in like segments but I think the stories that I think about are like all the stories of like, or all the experiences of like meeting the players, you know, like going, going down into the schmooze pit for the first time. I think that was also in the first, might've been the first like two or three days that we got to go down for the first time. And um, that like, for those of you listening, like the schmooze pit was the area behind one of the baskets, right. That's also connected to the tunnels essentially from where the players come out of. And we got, exclusive access to that area and that area is normally only open to uh executives and players and league personnel so i mean when we were back there like literally countless countless names that of people that you guys know of you know like for i think the first time i was down there i saw like mark jackson um and d'angelo that was right after d'lo was traded to the warriors um, and so Dela was there with like Bob Myers, um, and, and the Warriors executives, um, man, like literally everyone, everyone was down. David Griffin was down there a lot. The, the Pelicans, uh, GM, um, I mean, we just saw so many people and like Mark Jackson was one of the guys I remember. Cause he was like so willing to talk. I think we had like a group around him too. I remember Al, uh, Al was there too. And we were just talking with him, just, just chopping it up. Uh, you know just telling him about life and and whatnot but it was it's pretty crazy to to think about honestly do you have any specific ones that you remember from like the first three days
0: um about the schmooze pit i think everyone on the first day we were all so scared and like so shy of it and you may have been there or you may have not but i remember warren lagary one of the two people in charge of SBC and summer league He 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 saw us and he gave us like a pep talk he's like it's our first day it's our first night like just take it in you know take it in and like you know how loud it is so yeah it's kind of like it's, i i i'd explain it as like a like a basketball game and warren the like gary's like the coach and he's giving us like the it's a team huddle and he's like yeah. all right guys like you guys are it's it's our first night here so don't 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 worry about it just take it in and then he's just <laughs> telling us like don't worry you got a whole week to to hang out in the schmooze pit so just yeah. uh be patient
1: yeah, I I don't know if this was this might have been towards the end of the week, but I remember um I was there in the schmooze pit, I was watching a game, and then it was like the end of the game. And so the next team that was one of the next teams I was playing was the the Brooklyn Nets. And uh Jared Allen was on that team. Um and a lot of people were shocked that he was playing in the summer league because he played so well uh the year before. Um but anyway, like I was standing there and then they come out and Basically, it's, like, AU tournament style. So, like, the players don't really have, like, a separate court to warm up on, per se. So, essentially, like, there's a game, and then, like, it's, like, maybe 10, 15 minutes of warm-ups. Team has to come out right away and practice, and then they start the next game. So, it's, like, very rapid fashion. And I remember standing there, and, like, the Nets, came, Nets team came out from the tunnel, and they were literally just, like, stretching in the schmooze pit where we were at. They are like, NBA players right like standing a couple feet away from us and I remember Jared Allen was like right behind me he's like stretching his legs out and I turned around and I was just like I was thinking like dude like I don't really know any of the other rookies or like any, I don't really care for any of the other guys but like Jared Allen is someone that is like was in the league the past year and he was good so I was like you know what like I would just try to say what's up to him so I remember I just turned around and I was like I was like what's up Jared? and he was like what's up man like how you doing and then I was like, I'm good, man. I'm chilling. Just like, you know, enjoying the moment. Like, you know, we're here as part of this program. And, and I was like giving him a brief summary. He's like, that's dope, man. And, and then I remember I asked him, I was like, because that was um, like right after or like the week after like KD signed with the, the Nets. And so I remember I asked him, I was like, how'd you, uh, how'd you, um, you know, find out about the KD news? and he was like, oh, man, like, and he started reminiscing, and he was like, oh, man, like, I found out just like you, yeah, man, like, on Twitter, and it was kind of funny to hear from an actual NBA player that, like, you know, they didn't get their news from from their boss or, or their coach or, or anything, but, like, they're hearing from Twitter, too, you know, they're scrolling through, seeing Woj Bombs just like us, and he was like, yeah, man, I saw it on Twitter, too, like, pretty crazy, and he was like, and I asked him how he felt, and he was like, oh, man, like, I'm excited, you know, it's gonna be crazy, and you know, you know, Brooklyn's going to be wild. And he's, we were just chopping it up literally for like, it's like an NBA player. And I was just chatting it up like I was talking to you, you know? And, and so it was, it was crazy. And then um, I was like, all right, well, good luck on your game. Like, you know, I'm rooting for you. I think you're going to have a big year. And he was like smiling. He was like, oh, I appreciate that, man. That means a lot. And then I was like, all right, good luck. And I turned around and I just started watching the game again. And then I was like, shoot, I kind of want to ask him for a picture because, I don't want to just tell people like, you know, like I met these players. I want to actually get a picture with one of them at the very least. And so I was like, but I didn't want to like turn around and say what's up to him again. Cause then that was kind of like awkward, but I was like, you know what? Like screw it. I'm mean, going to just do it anyway. I turned around. I was like, Hey Jared, like you mind if I get a picture with you? And he was like, Oh, of course. So I got a selfie with him. I still have it to this day. Um, that was pretty, pretty dope. Um, also talked to, one of their rookies from UCLA, Jalen hands. He was a highly touted prospect at a, at a high school. So I knew of him. I said, what's up to him. I, I told him that I thought he was going to be really good in the league and got a picture with him too. So, um, obviously not two of the most notable names, but that was just kind of a cool story there for me.
0: I mean, now, I mean, uh, Jared Allen is very notable considering that he, he's probably going to replace Deandre Jordan in the bubble yeah. as a starting center. So, um, I remember standing behind you during that conversation for part of it. And I just remember thinking like, Oh, Jared Allen, he's a, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He said like, you know, thank you for the support and everything. So I heard, I heard that part. Um, I remember looking at D'Angelo Russell and quietly thinking to myself, that guy cost me my fantasy championship game (laughs) in 2017 or 2016. I forgot which year. Um, partly joking partly not sam but uh, yeah seeing seeing him and uh i remember bob myers he someone asked him for an autograph someone in the media asked him for an autograph as bob myers was standing next to me and he's just like no oh really yeah i just i just stood there like did not move (laughs) i feel like like he would have noticed me um the whole the whole schmooze pit thing I think everyone was so, so nervous of like the etiquette of the schmooze pit. Like, am I allowed to take pictures of people? Am I allowed to approach people? I feel like if you and I like going back as students now, we'd like do it totally differently. We'd be a lot more, you know, um, socially aggressive and not, you know, should I do this? Should I not? Yeah. I think part of it is just like these. It's like that moment where
1: you like meet your celebrity crush or something like that. Like, these are people that you've like idolized and seen on TV for so long. And then to see them actually in person, you're just kind of like, this is so surreal. And like, I don't want to ruin the moment by asking them for like an autograph. And like, granted, some people will say no and whatnot, but like, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And so I think just that situation itself is a little bit tough to be in, you know, because you want to be nice and like be respectful but at the same time you want to take advantage of that moment because like who knows you'll you might never be there again and like I think this year is a perfect example of that right like we were supposed to be interns for this year and just like that it's like it's going to be a virtual um, conference for SPC so it's like you know we might have expected after last year like oh we'll be in the schmooze pit in another year but like we're not, you know, since so like, and you never know if you'll ever be there again. So it's a, it's a tough balance. It's a tough balance. But yeah, I think if uh, if I were to go back, I, I would do a little bit differently.
0: I think I felt like I was the outsider in the schmooze pit. And so I should be, I shouldn't be as aggressive socially. But looking back, like, even though the people in the the, the pit, they had like media credentials or whatever, they were probably doing the same thing that we wanted to do but we just assume like they were super far into their careers or whatever. But the reality is that most of them were probably, you know, a couple of years older than us, or they were like maybe interns and they were like talking to their future employers or something.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I, I was honestly surprised that not more people were in the schmooze pit because it was like the same like 20 people that ended up going and it was like rotations of like 10 or 15 people. And I was there, like, almost every single time that we could go in. I think I might have missed it, like, once. But other than that, I was literally there, like, every single time. Because I'm, like, I am, like, every single time you go down there, there's at least one executive or, like, one former player that's, like, there. So it's, like, and and not only that, like, the opportunity to, like, watch the game from that close, like, you're basically sitting in, like, courtside seats, you know? And obviously, granted, it's a summer league game, but still, it's – Something that you may never get to experience ever again, just being that close to those guys. So I like was trying to be there as much as I could. And I was just shocked that, you know, out of the 87 people that were there at SPC, maybe those like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was only like 20 or 25 people max that were like going in and out.
0: That that sounds about right. Um, there are definitely limits on how many people could go, but yeah, right. I, I I remember seeing the same people usually. Yeah, N- not many people that like I didn't recognize from our program. Yeah, I remember at the the last day, it felt so good to just like walk down there by ourselves. Yeah, and, you know, it it was the last, it was the close of the event, so no one really cared. But uh, I remember all of us just going down there one last time before we all we all went home. Yeah, it's
1: it's a nice feeling having the wristband on and just being able to throw your arm up to the security guards and they let you in
0: yeah um when, when i was talking about like how i felt really anxious and nervous during the event it was it was mostly because of the the um the mock trade deadline stuff i think right where where we were you know we were all in a group setting we had to like talk trades and really apply knowledge which is a problem for me because i didn't know like the salary cap stuff or anything like that so i that 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 made me feel like i was i wasted my money doing this and because like i you know the whole growth mindset versus a fixed mindset thing yeah it's like way easier to just talk about it in theory rather than like experiencing it and choosing like the growth mindset um so did uh did the basketball stuff scare you at all or make you nervous
1: yeah, that was that was nerve-wracking for sure. I felt the exact same way. I wasn't good at all with cap stuff. I didn't really I knew next to nothing about the numbers and and crunching data and all that stuff on salary cap. So like I had a good knowledge of like okay, these players should be traded and like, you know, this is where the team is headed and this is the organization's direction over the next few years, but I was by no means an expert and my group happened to be one of the smaller ones too. Um, I think every group at least had like six or seven people. And my group was like the only one with like four. I think we had four or five. Um, And so it was like, they even said they were like, oh yeah, you guys just got a small group. And I was like, the one time, like, I don't really know much. And like, it's easier to like, essentially like just kind of fall back and rely on other people. when there's more, but when you have a smaller group, now the focus is on you. And like people are expecting you to contribute, and I was like, dang man, like I don't, I don't really know anything though, you know. But I also don't like I was able, I was comfortable with telling them like, okay, this isn't my strong suit, but I didn't want to reveal that like I didn't know anything about it, you know, um, because it seemed like everyone else there at least needs something about the salary cap and, and stuff and how it works
0: and all that. Dude, I was carried by my group. First of all, we had Wes as our expert, so <laughs> Wes was the, the the GM. He was as if it, it was a real life scenario. Um, we had Mike Bassetti, our friend. He's a I think he's an actuary or something, so he was really comfortable with like using Excel and uh, spreadsheets and doing the analytics stuff. And everyone in my group was like way older than I was, so I was just like the young the young guy and my contributions to the group during the event was just going around the room to find people and let them know that we wanted to trade with our team. And so in the moment I felt like I wasn't doing anything for them, but like looking back, it's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know much, but I still did stuff for the group, even though if it was just walking around to find people to make trades with, make fake trades with. And, you know, that's all that I could, I could have done the moment. And like, that's totally fine. Yeah.
1: It was it was a wild day though. Or a wild two days, right? For the the mock trade deadline. It's definitely fun like I learned a lot. Um but it was so interesting being in that room and thinking getting an ounce of understanding that like this is what the real NBA trade deadline may may feel like.
0: Yeah. Um and then just to complete the the story about me not feeling nervous anymore. The after the the first day, Monday night I think. I sat down with our friend, James. Uh, we were eating James dinner. James Garcia, right? Uh, no, James Cha. James Cha. Oh, James Cha. Okay. Yeah. We were sitting. and I, I initially wanted to just like sit by myself and eat food because I felt really like kind of like regretting uh, going to SBC because I felt like I wasted my money because I don't know as much as these other people. And you know, I think James saw me and he's like, oh, no, I'll go with you. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's hang out. And basically I told him and we talked it out. And like he told me, like, don't worry about it. Like, I there's some things I don't know either. And you know, James, he, he he's a couple years older. He's a consultant. Yeah. And you know, him telling me that just made me feel a little better. Like I'm not the only one that feels a little displaced here. And um, and then after the the mock trade deadline was over, I remember asking my group. At the time I didn't know what they did outside of SBC, so I asked them, like, how do you guys know all this stuff? Like, how do you guys know how to, you know, do trades and all this stuff? And um, my group members turned out to be, um, one of them was a lawyer. One of them, Mike, was an actuary. The other one was, like, a quality assurance guy. Another guy was, like, a retail operations guy for the Rockets. And so, like, they basically told me, like, you know, we, we we do this stuff in our professional work all the time. So, this isn't really, you know, that different or hard for us. And that was just like a big point for me of realizing like, you know, I'm still in college. It's fine. There's no need to like worry that much and be scared. Yeah. I think it was kind of natural to like put that
1: pressure on ourselves. I think everyone did that honestly, like regardless of what their profession was like walking in and out of 87 people, you're bound to find someone that's better than something at you. Um, or, or than you um, in, in, in part of sports. So, I think whether it's like crunching numbers or like, you know, figuring out salary cap stuff or like the scouting portion of it, maybe, or even like networking, you know, like there are bound to be people that are more well-versed in those areas than, than we were. And I felt the same way. Like I was overwhelmed at times, you know, seeing all these guys, like some of these guys like absolute geniuses in in salary cap stuff and crunching the numbers. I remember sitting with like Aaron and and buddy, you remember buddy Scott, like that guy is like, like that guy's like a genius um
0: he's only like 18 or 19 now like sophomore year harvard
1: yeah from harvard like absolute genius um literally knows like so much about the salary cap too and i remember like he was asking all these questions during the salary cap sessions and i was just like dang man like you're literally like four years younger than me and like you know this info that i have zero idea about you know so it's like stuff like that where you feel unprepared and you feel unready but at the same time, I was like, you know what, like, I'm, that's why I'm here, you know, like, I'm here to learn. I'm not here because I already know anything or like, because I'm better than these guys.
0: Something I, I needed to ask, I, I need to ask like all my friends from RCC. Do you remember when I did the, the Zach Lowe stunt?
1: I, I do, yeah.
0: Okay, I, 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 I just need like help from my friends just to tell me what happened afterwards, after I said that. Because as soon as I sat down, like, I don't, I don't remember what happened. I remember the question I asked him, which was just, you know, do you plan on joining a front office anytime soon? And I, I think I knew like the answer is no, but I just wanted to do my little stunt and whatever. And and just, that's it. So after after I said that, do, like what, what was the room like from your perspective? Can you just tell me so I can be sure that I didn't embarrass myself or something?
1: Are you talking about just regarding asking that question or like, because I remember like you said, you told him that, your pod, you were the host of the Doe Post, and it was named after the Low Post. So, right, are you talking right. about that, or are you talking about asking the question?
0: Um, that part, like, as soon as I told them that, and then I asked my question, or whatever, you know, did uh, did he have any reaction to it? Um, what was everyone else's reaction to it? Because I, I, I was just so, like, my heart was beating, man. It was the adrenaline, the caffeine, <laughs> the sleep deprivation. I don't remember what happened afterwards. No, I think Zach Lowe is like
1: pretty stoic. He's like he's like pretty like um, he doesn't really like have, I guess. What's the best way to put it? Like, he doesn't really have many different facial expressions. Like, I remember the whole time he was there, like he just kind of had like like a like a poker face on. Um, I think that's just like how he's like. Um, uh, but I remember like the rest of the room when you when you asked that question and you're like saying like, I think you prefaced it with like. Hey, I'm like host of the uh, the Dope Host, which is named after your podcast, The Low Post. Like, I think after you said that, like, everyone was like, like laughing and like, but like, they didn't want to like crack up because like you're asking a genuine question. But I think it was just kind of like funny because people were like, he's like shooting a shot, you know, essentially. That was Cause like, that there, was, was, there would probably be some people that are in the same position as you, but they like too scared to mention it, you know, because they're like, oh, what if he thinks that's like cheesy or whatever.
0: Oh, yeah, dude, I thought I thought of every I thought of every possible outcome of me saying that. And I think the way that I delivered it, I don't think I stuttered at all. And that was like, honestly, seven or eight minutes of rehearsal in my mind to make sure I don't embarrass myself in front of like, you know, the 87 people in our class, plus the maybe 10 people that are just hanging out there. Um, Yeah. And that was just making sure I didn't didn't mess up in front of Zach Lowe yeah
1: no I bet I'm sure you were nervous you know' that's literally the guy that you named your podcast after
0: yeah I, I I wouldn't have gone for it if if my cousin didn't text me at the moment telling me like you gotta tell him about the dope post because I, I sent him a picture of Zeklo glow because we're both fans uh-huh yeah so making making i I'm glad i I'm glad I you know sucked it up for that two minutes of potential embarrassment and just made the move.
1: Yeah, I mean, you shot your shot, right?
0: Yeah. Um, part of the the program is uh, getting to, you know, talk one on one or maybe get get to know the the staff members of SBC more or just the professional people that come through the program. Did you have any good one on one meetings with anyone? The guy that I still keep in contact with is is
1: Pete uh, Delessandro. He's like assistant GM of the Magic, and he was one of the guys that I like did a lot of research on. So I like knew some of his like backstories and like some of his high school experiences. And like, he was a video coordinator, um, to start off. So I like knew about that story, um, when he was in college. And so after he spoke, like when everyone like goes up to the front of the room to like basically talk with them during the break. Um, I remember when I was talking with him, I like brought up those stories because I was like, you know, like, I try to do that with every guest, but I'm like, you know what, like if I'm going to say something to them, like, I'm going to make sure he remembers me because I know something that other people don't. So I like brought up those stories and he like instantly was like, Oh yeah. Like he was like smiling and he was like, Oh yeah. Like I remember that time and like blah, 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 And all that stuff. And he, he like gave me his email. He was like, Oh, what's your name? And then I told him my name's Sam, and He's like, all right, well, you know, if you need anything, like email me at like, you know, his email. And then I was like, Oh man. Like, that's pretty cool. But I had my doubts. I was like, you know what? I don't know if he's going to actually respond or like if he gives his email to everyone. And then I emailed him the day right after, because I want to make sure that he remembered me and he actually responded that same day, like at summer League, he like responded. And I was like, dang, this guy is like legit. And so I've actually kept in contact with him like since then. Um, and then he actually introduced me to someone at the Clippers who works in uh, basketball operations. So it's just like networking and like keeping those relationships. But like, that was a pretty awesome conversation. Um, I had my one-on-one session. We, we get like 15 minute one-on-one sessions. Right. And I had my one-on-one session with Zach Kleiman. Who's like the, I think the executive VP of basketball ops for um, the Memphis Grizzlies. And the dude is like only 30 years old, I think 30 or 31. So it's like one of those like near impossible journeys but he, like, really worked his way up. Like, he was, like, an intern for the Lakers at one point. And then he, like, went, like, the law firm route. And then he, like, came back into basketball. And he basically, like, worked his way all the way up from, like, intern to, like, uh, team consultant to, like, you know, all that stuff. And then he worked his way up through basketball operations. Um, so it was, like, the perfect guy to, like, be connected with, honestly, because that's where I want to end up. And he like, knew, he, like, knows what it takes to work his way up. And he obviously made it big as like a 30-year-old, which is like unheard of in any sports league. Like usually if you want to become GM, you're at least like 40 or 50 or even 60. You know, like it takes a while to get there. So the fact that he was there at age 30 is like, he is like a prodigy, you know? And so he obviously knows something that other people don't. And so just having that session with him was, was pretty crazy. Um, and, and talking to someone like that. What about you? so first of all first of all who was your favorite guest and then and then who whose conversation did you enjoy the most like a a one-on-one personal conversation
0: yeah um i think the universal favorite guest was wes Wilcox. i think right where he just like blew our minds in basketball our basketball minds for two hours i i i loved hearing from him and i did have like a little one-on-one session with wes as well that wasn't you know in the schedule. I have a funny story about that later, but uh um, Yeah,
1: you were in the stands with him. I saw you.
0: Okay, okay, fine. I'll yeah. just tell it now. <laughs> I, I was walking the concourse area uh Thursday night or Friday night and I was just trying to meet like see see if there's anyone around to talk to, whether they're interns or they're just like NBA people. Right. And then I saw him go and buy his favorite candy um Twizzlers. And I thought to myself right there, like it was like a Zach Lowe moment where if I don't do this, will I ever get to do this again? And so I, I decided, like, I'm going to go and you know, go go up to him and ask him, like, hey, can I just, like, ask you some questions and sit down with you? And he said, sure. And so he took me down to the the seating area and he threw, he, he, he was buying candy for his friends, so he threw the candy at his friends and then we walked down to, like, a, a table and then we just sat and we just talked about like, we had, like, a good heart-to-heart about, like, his job as a GM basically. And that was just the results of me realizing like i may not get to see Wes wilcox in person again and i just want to know more about him so that was the whole that's the whole story but uh my favorite speaker i think was probably howard beck because he was the first he was my first nba person that i got to talk to heart to heart what up beck what up beck what for, up, Beck? Like, yeah I, I keep in touch with him as well i um I got his business card and like I text him every once in a while and he's so cool. he like replies super fast. Um, but I remember, I remember one of our friends, I think it was Ross who he told me that after Zach Lowe was uh, finished talking, what he did was he went outside the hallway and he waited for Zach Lowe to come out because he knew he was going to have to leave the room. And so he got his own one-on-one with like Zach Lowe. So I took that Dang. advice and I applied it to Howard Beck, which is I remember you and some other people were, were in a group conversation with Howard Beck after we was talking. So I was just waiting by myself, like a couple feet away because I knew he was going to head in that direction. And so I had like about a 20 minute talk with him about just like life and just getting to know the guy. So Howard Beck, just because he was the first NBA person to talk with me and he was just so nice about it that I just like love him so much more. Um, my one on one was uh with Aaron Barzilai He's the analytics right. guy yeah. i i I you know we all got to choose from the categories that Larry provided. Right. You obviously went for the 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 g m or the front office basketball ops category. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that i do I knew the least about analytics, so i I decided to go that route and I got Aaron. He was really nice as well. He gave me like more than 15 minutes. I think I got like close to 30 with him. So it was really cool. Um, Yeah, those are my probably my favorite speakers. Was
1: there um, who was who was the one guest that like when they showed up or when they were announced, you were like, eh, like big deal. But like after they left, after they had their presentation or whatever, you were kind of like, oh, my goodness, like I did not expect that
0: that's a good question so that's like a basically who's the who's the underrated uh, yeah like who's like your dark horse yeah it, it might have to be Wes Wilcox again, Sam, because he's not you know if he was a GM for the Lakers like everyone would know him right but sure. he was a GM for the Atlanta Hawks so and he, he he uh he wasn't the GM anymore at the time so you know I don't think anyone in that room ever got to hear from a GM speak, at least most of us before. And so, you know, you and I, we'd been to plenty of meetings with basketball people in the business side, not really basketball side, but we, we've never had a GM like talk to us in depth about scouting and how a front office works. So I think he was like the most underrated because he's, he's not, you know, famous like most, a lot of the other GMs. So no one knew what to expect from him. I think, right.
1: I, think so, I think for me it was Neil Olshey, who's okay, the GM yeah. of the Trailblazers, because like, I mean, I think I expected a certain level of like credibility just because he was like a current GM, but at the same time, like, I didn't ex, I didn't expect for what he actually said to have been what he was going to say, if that makes sense. So, like the GMs, I th- I thought the typical conversation was going to be centered around like how do you deal with your organization? Like how have you made the trailblazers like successful? Like what goes into your job? Like what's the grind and all that stuff. But like he gave this whole like spiel on like, I don't know if you remember like the damage, the, the little example that he did or the demonstration that he did where he's like, all right, everyone stand up. And then he's like, sit down. If you're not going to work hard and no one sits down, sit down. If you're not smart, no one sits down, Uh, sit, sit down. If, like and then he started getting really specific he's like sit down if you've um interned or like whatever for like a company or a sports team like half the people sit down sit down if you haven't um been manager of like your school's basketball team more people sit down and then he started getting really specific like sit down if you don't know how to code like if you don't know how to use python and then like it was like two people left um and then like ultimately what he was saying like was like that's how they're going to weed people out like everyone's going to say in sports that they're going to work hard. Everyone's going to say that they're smart. Everyone's going to say they're passionate, but what other skills do you have to like make yourself stand out otherwise in the industry? So that was like pretty eye opening to me because I was like, dang, like he's right. You know, like, and I think his was a little bit more direct. Like he definitely didn't sugarcoat it. And he was like, he, I think that's why some people were turned off by him too, because they were like, Oh, it sounded really mean and like direct and aggressive. But I was like, honestly, like, I felt like I needed that. Like, I think he was like in the middle of the week and it was like getting to that point where like, you know, when you hit the middle of the week, you're kind of like, dang man, like three days already of like no sleep, you know, or like little to no sleep. And like being out all day going on coffee and like arena food, like you're just exhausted, you know, and like, you're trying to take everything in. You're nervous the whole day. So your body's like wearing down. And then like that middle of the week speech by Neil O'Shea was like literally like a, a kick in the butt for me like I kind of it was like a wake-up call essentially not just like for my career but like just that week alone I think hearing him and like hearing how direct he was and hearing him say like if you don't if you can't even take this seriously like you're not going to succeed in the industry and I was just like damn like you're right man like I gotta I gotta wake up you know like that was the first thought was like I gotta wake up this week like I gotta take this seriously even if I'm Sleep deprived, like I can get back and sleep when I want, you know, but like throughout this one week, even if, I, if I'm getting two to three hours of sleep every night, like I have to grind and I have to push through because there's 86 other people other than me that are probably going to try to do the same thing. So, like, what can I do to make myself stand out? But I don't know about you. What did, what did you think about that? I know some people I talked to were like kind of turned off by it.
0: I thought it was mean too, but I, I realized pretty quickly that he was just like the the tough love right the tough love uh guest and uh i i also felt like i needed to see that too and just you know hear like honesty that that's something that you know people always want like it's always like do you want to do you want to hear the truth or do you want to hear what you want to hear so i i appreciated hearing that from him uh I, you know, for, for Wes though, it's just the way that he, he taught and the way that he, uh, he lectured, it was just really clear to me. You know, if you, I've heard so many, uh, interviews with him or podcasts with him. And he's always like the way that he talks, he always starts off with like, okay, what are our goals or what are our objectives for whatever? And then he just starts talking like that. And it's just so clear and like, so interesting to me, how he, how he thinks about things. Um, speaking of sleep, I remember, I think. I think the, the only night where we had, like, good sleep, I guess, was maybe the first night, like, after the basketball game. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm terrible at basketball, so I left pretty quickly. But I remember you played and then you went. I I opted for the more fun version or the more fun thing to do that night was um, taking one of our friends, Jaron, to try in and out for the first time. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I think that was the only night that me and you, like, actually got sleep because otherwise I remember – you and I sleeping around one or 2, 12 to two in that range. And then we'd wake up at like six thirty yeah. or yeah. yeah. Something like that.
1: Yeah. It was that's pretty crazy.
0: My, my 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 whole um my whole mentality after the I did the the Zach Lowe stunt, it was like I don't care if I'm gonna get the internship or not. Like I paid a lot of money to be here, so I'm just yeah. gonna be awake as much as possible. Yeah. And just like meet people. Was that your your the same mentality with you after like you get became uh more comfortable with things?
1: Yeah, and I think I don't know about you, but for me I realized pretty quickly that everyone there was like super friendly and super open. And initially you have these like preconceptions of like when you're going into this like with eighty six other people, you're like, Oh man, like you know, all these people want to get into the industry. Like everyone's going to be to themselves. Like everyone's going to try to beat you, but like everyone there was so open and so nice. And like the fact that we still do like the draft class together with some of those guys is like telling of how open these guys are and you know, how awesome people that they are. So I think I learned pretty quickly that, you know, I just need to relax a little bit. And I was like my own worst enemy coming into that week, you know, like of all that anxiety and nervousness and like, assumptions of like what it was going to be like but yeah i think you know i realized pretty quickly that you know it's going to be it's going to be fun and like i just had to take advantage of the opportunity and like i just really didn't want to let that week pass and go home and be like dang i really should have done that you know or like i really should have talked to more people or i should have tried harder or i should have asked more questions or i should have reached out to to more guests that were there and whatnot so but I, looking back on it, like, I, I don't really have any regrets. I, I think I pretty much laid everything out.
0: Same thing with me. And I just have one regret. It, it's more like a, I think you've heard this. What Shams. is it? But it was just, I had two chances to meet Shams uh, Sharanya. And oh. I, I was just too scared for both, both times. Um, yeah, the first time I, we, we were just in a hallway, uh sneaking around the building trying to, to get into like the, in the media room to see what, if I can see anyone. I walked out of the media room as I was, as I was closing the door, I turned around and he's walking towards me. And suddenly I, 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 it was like a split moment decision. Like do I turn around and go back to the media room or do I just like try to have a little conversation with Shams in the hallway? But I wasn't sure if we actually had access to that room and I didn't want to get in trouble. So I just started walking and then I looked him in the eye and he did the same thing with me. But like, no one said anything. And, um, the second time it was he was in the lobby area on his phone I thought he was doing some work so I didn't want to interrupt him. I turn around talk with a summer league intern I turn around again and he's gone and I try walking around the lobby area to find him and I couldn't find him That's my Dang. only regret from the program.
1: yeah I don't I don't know if I have any like I even talked to Mark Cuban um, I don't know if you remember he like dropped in spoke for like 40 minutes. And then he like stayed around. He like grabbed lunch. Cause we had like just, yeah, we had like just gotten our lunch. And then we took our lunch to our tables and we sat down and we were listening to him. And like every other guest, they would speak and then they would leave or like speak. And then like we'd have a little break and then everyone would go talk to them and then they would leave. But like he was one of those drop in guests where like because it was during lunchtime, it was just like a drop in, speak and then leave. But like he dropped in, he spoke. And then he like went over and he grabbed a plate and he like got some food. And then he sat at a table in the back and he was just like eating while the next guest was speaking. And I thought that was so funny. I was like, man, that is so indicative of like who Mark Cuban is, you know, he's like just super personal and like, uh, or a personable guy and like, not really like, doesn't really give off those like professional, like, or like he is professional, but like, he doesn't give off those like owner vibes of like, you know, like, don't touch me, don't talk to me. So I remember I like I was like you know what like I'm just gonna do it because everyone else was sitting at their table listening to the guest, um, and I was like you know what? I'm just gonna do it. So I like went to the back and like there was like a there's like a fridge there with all like the water. So I like went and like grabbed a bottle of the bottled water. So it just didn't just look like I was there to talk to him. And then as I was going back to the table, I like saw him sitting there. So I was like, hey, what's up, Mark? Like my name's Sam. And he was like, hey, nice to meet you. He was like super nice. So he was like, hey, nice to meet you. And I was like, yeah, man, like really, really appreciated like what you spoke or what you shared with us. And like, I learned so much and like, I really look up to you and, and I love the way you, you uh, run the organization. And I remember one thing I told him at the end, cause I didn't want to just give him like generic praise. I was like, I appreciated the way that you handled Dirk's retirement. Cause that was last year when, when they had the whole, you know, um, uh, thing with like Dirk retiring and, and all that. And so I was like, I really appreciated how you handled that. And he was like, Oh, thanks, man. Like that means a lot, you know. Like, we, you know, Dirk, Dirk's a legend, and you know, we had, we had to do what we could for him. And I was, I pretty much just left it at that. I didn't want to talk to him for too long, but I was like, All right, well, great talking to you. And then I went back to my table. But I was like, Man, at least now I could say I spoke to Mark Cuban.
0: I remember uh, our friend Chanel addressing him as Mr. Cuban, and he was just like, Just it's Mark.
1: Yeah, Mark. just call me Mark. Yeah. 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 yeah
0: probably my favorite billionaire in the world. Yeah. Maybe. Um, He's
1: a super smart guy too.
0: Yeah. You know, I thought, I really thought the, the GMs in the class, the future GMs of the class would be the ones that would get the internship roles at the end of the week. And so that's why I was just like, okay, I'm not good at the basketball stuff, but anyone, anyone can just go around and talk to people. So why not do that for the rest of the week and not sleep? So that was my, my, my strategy, I guess. Yeah, I think it stood out though that you had the dope post too. Yeah, that that, that helped so much.
1: Yeah, because not a lot of other people were running podcasts. Um, Actually, I don't know if anyone there was running a podcast, like their own. Um, So I think the fact that you had the dope post, like now after you said that, the rest of the week, everyone always knew you as like the dope post, like Adam Doe. It wasn't just like Adam, it was like Adam Doe, but you were the only Adam there. So they could have just as easily just said, like, Adam, just like they called me, like, Sam, you know? But I guess it was Sam Johnson, so they couldn't do that. But, like, for you, you were the only Adam. But everyone always referred to you as, like, Adam Doe because like, the Doe post. And then every time your name came up, it was like, oh, yeah, the, the Doe post guy, right? And every time, I'm pretty sure I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I remember, like, when people were going up to you and saying what's up to you, they were like, hey, what up? Like, host of the Doe post. And they would just, like, refer to you that way, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. That It, it helped me so much. Um, it just made me feel a lot more comfortable during the week because people would, like, come up and talk to me and, like, they'd just ask, like, how I do the dope posts. And then it, it was really easy. So I just explained how I do it and how to, how to get set up and whatever. Um, yeah, so after I did the whole thing with Zach Lowe, the Zach Glow, the rest of the week was just, like, so much better because I felt so much more comfortable and, like, I made so many more friends and... Um, I remember the podcasting panel where it was Dave DeFour, Nate Duncan, Howard Beck, and it might it have just been those three with Bo Estes moderating. And I remember asking a question, and then Dave Dufour I don't know why he decided to do it, but he, before they answered my question, he's like, this is Adam Doe of the Doe Post right here. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, so stuff like that made me feel uh, a lot more at home.
1: You know what one of my favorite moments was during that week actually was the few moments where during like um, intermission or like breaks and we didn't have we're waiting for like the guests to come in like Dave would go to the front of the room with a mic and he would just sit there and he would be like all right so like what do you guys want to talk about and then someone would ask him a question like who's your top five of all time and then he would give his list. And then people would just, like, debate with him in the room. But it was, like, all 87 of us sitting down in the, like, picture this, right? Like, there's, like, a big room, and it's all 87 of us sitting around tables in the room, and Dave Defoe is the only guy in the front. And he has the mic, and he's monitoring the whole thing, and he's, like, basically, like, gives his opinion. He'd be, like, well, this is why, like, player X sucks, you know? And everyone's, like, no, 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 like, hold up, hold up, like, you know, like Kobe's better than LeBron, you know, like all that. And then he would give like a whole spiel. but like that guy is so smart and also such a good talker that by the end of his opinion, you're always just kind of like, you know what? I see your point, you know, do you remember those, like those debates that he had with just like people across the room and he yeah, would yeah, always yeah. end up like, in my mind, he always ended up like essentially winning the argument.
0: Yeah, he, uh, it was, you know, after SBC, I signed up for the Athletic subscription. So then I realized that what we what we got was just the live version of his weekly Q and A on the Athletic. Yeah. And so when I, I didn't really understand what he meant when he was like, "Oh, you guys, you guys want to do some Q and A," and I, I realized that like, he does that for the Athletic weekly. Yeah. Um, but looking back, don't you realize that? he was just a very, very good distraction because they were running behind on guests or trying to find people or some people were canceling or whatever. So he's yeah. like the, the distraction. Yeah. Good good distraction.
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't even see it as a distraction because it was so productive. And like, it was to the point where like, he would be up there for like 20 minutes and then the guests would come in and people were like, oh man, I'd rather have Dave for a little bit longer. Wow. You know? Yeah. Because it was so, he's like so entertaining
0: he 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 was the he was the guest that made me the most nervous because of how he looks you know he, yeah he, he's yeah, just yeah. bald with like a beard and he's like super buff yeah but like he's like the super super cool and he guy. has a
1: super serious look on his face all the time
0: right, right 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 so he was the guest that i was scared of the most to, to approach but afterwards it was like all good yeah all right um Were you, were you really shocked that you were, that you, you got the, uh, the, the, the internship and the, the top four student? Honestly.
1: Yeah. Like I, I don't think I'm in those situations. Like I don't ever expect to actually like win those things or like, you know, be named as like, you know, one of the top five or top four or whatever, top three. And so I knew I like put everything out there, but when it came down to actually announcing it, I was like man, like, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, like there's so many qualified people in here. Um, but I did know, like for a fact, I was like, you know what? I feel like I like worked harder than everyone else. Or like, maybe that's like a personal bias, but I knew like, I like prepared and, and really committed myself to that week. And no one else I knew like printed out notes like that. And like, every time I was at a table, people would be like, what are you looking at? And I'm like, Oh, I printed out these notes and they're like, man, that is like pretty crazy. So I knew no one else did that. But I didn't know if that was going to show and reflect in my um engagement like throughout the week. You know what I mean? What
0: about yourself? I I totally forgot as soon as um as soon as I committed to the idea that the future GMs would be getting the awards, I just like gave up on that and I totally forgot about it. My focus was just to meet as many people as I could and make as many friends as I could. Yeah. It wasn't until the night before our last day that uh an s b c uh, staff member he he told me that my name was brought up during uh one of their dinners or whatever, and he he didn't know who he didn't remember who said it, but he said this person said like that adam guy like i i like him um he 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 thought that it was um he asked me who my one on one was and he said he thought it was Pete he thought I had pete and uh, but I, I said I didn't have Pete. So anyways, a- after he said that, I I had like this, you know, childlike reaction. I was like, really? <laughs> 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 like my name was really brought up in a dinner. And uh, that just, you know, you know, the day after I, I realized like we were all going to go home. So the thought did cross my mind like, oh, like maybe I do have a chance at at getting uh, the the internship at the end. And so funny story. I think you were the first person called up as soon as yeah. that happened. I realized like, Oh my, this, the, the they're not going to choose two UCI people for their, their, internship. I remember you told me that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So as soon as you, you were called up, I was like, Oh, like, ah, uh, like good. I, I'm happy for him, but I don't think they're going to call me because we, we both go to UCI. And so uh, the second person was uh, winter, I think. And then the third person was me. And I was just like, really shocked in my mind, of course, you know, in my face, you couldn't tell because we were exhausted by this point. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I was pretty surprised, but the thought did cross my mind. Like maybe I do have a chance just from what I heard last night.
1: How did you, uh, actually feel in the moment?
0: Inside, I was just, it was probably like, it's probably like, um, I've been watching so many, uh, uh, videos about surgery and whatever—it's probably like how you're you're like sedated, really sedated by the anesthesia. Yeah. But that's because of how much how little sleep you've gotten during the week. So inside, I was just like really, really happy. But outside, I was just like, "Yay, this is amazing!" <laughs> um, it's just like how how when they called your name up, and I don't—I think it's because you didn't hear or whatever. And so everyone was just staring at you for about 30 seconds. And then they were like, go up there, go up there. You got it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, I was actually going to bring that up. <laughs> it was kind of funny. I'm thinking about it. Cause I remember they were like, um, you know, um, like this. So this first person is Sam Shin. And I remember they said my name and I didn't know I was supposed to go up. Like I heard my name, but it, so there's a couple of things. Like one, when I first heard my name, it was like, wait, what? Like, is actually me, you know, like, you start thinking like, is there another Shin here? You know, like you start thinking all these dumb thoughts. Um, and so that was one thing Two, I kind of just froze. I was like, Oh my God. Like, you know, it happened. It was like everything that I put in for the past week, like it like paid off and it felt really nice. Um, and like, just to be recognized, it's, it's nice. You know, like we all love that feeling of, you know, being recognized for what we do. Um, and then last it was like, yeah, I didn't know it was supposed to go up. I, like they didn't say anything and you know there was no like actual plaque or anything so i was just kind of like all right i'll just clap it up here too so i remember i was sitting down and i was just kind of like clapping too and people were just staring at me yeah it was like for like five ten seconds and then larry everyone was like i think it was like larry or like some one of the staff members, they're like call like come up here <laughs> <laughs> they're like sam it's you and they're like i was like oh okay so then i like walked up and then I remember like they, like they all, asked, I think it was like Larry or Dave was like, how come you didn't come up here? And I was like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to,
0: but I, I remember was, people I, got I, a good
1: kick out of that.
0: I was sitting like a couple feet away from you in, in front of you and I turned around to like to stare at you and you, you had your usual, you know, Sam Shin, you know, smile and grin and you're like nodding, I think to me. <laughs> from what I remember, you were, like, kind of nodding for a uh-huh. bit, and then people were looking at you and just waiting for you to do something, but you were just sitting there for, like, a really long time, and, like, we were just wondering what, what, what was going to happen. Yeah. I think you sat down for, like, 25 seconds longer than you should have. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> yeah, I had
1: no idea I was supposed to go up.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, uh, after the whole thing, I remember, I I remember thinking, like, I'm never, I might not see these people for a really long time, so, I'm just going to stay around for as long as possible and just say bye to everyone. And we were driving home anyway, so it's not like we had a flight to catch.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was, we, we probably stuck around. We were in the room for like maybe another hour just saying goodbye to people. And then we all went to the schmooze pit after, right?
0: Right. And I remember uh, us exiting the arena. And um, well, first of all, I had like one pass, one dinner pass to get food or voucher and i forgot to use it after i left the thing <laughs> and so what i ended up doing was just giving it away to someone for free and then we got in an uber with our friend danielle and uh i think you and i just like passed out in that car because we yeah. were just so tired um and then we get in the hotel and then we see our friends they they were about to go get some food and they invited us along and i think you know i think you and i probably felt bad if we if we like declined so we went along with them anyways to get in and out
1: it was uh it was lance um garve garve and cooper oh right was it there was one more person
0: Mm -hmm. i there is uh i can't remember
1: oh man yeah i can't remember but yeah it was like that was fun though Cause we just started talking about SBC and
0: everything that happened that past week. I was about, I was passing out like in the in and out restaurant at the table. <laughs> that was when I told you like, okay, we gotta go. We gotta go yeah. after this. We gotta go. Yeah. And um, yeah. And then again, the the whole car ride, it was just you were either sleeping or we were either just asking each other like, Hey Sam, guess what? Hey Adam, guess what? We're going to be summer league interns next year.
1: Yeah. And like reminiscing on the week too, but not as much. I think it was just, yeah, like you said, it was a mix of falling in and out of sleep. I remember I was trying so hard to stay awake and you're like, you know, you could just go to sleep if you need to. But I was like, I don't want to be that passenger, you know, that's like, it's just us two, And I'm like, not able to keep you company, you know, during this long car ride. But I think the last like half an hour,
0: I actually just like passed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think more than half an hour, Sam. Come (laughs) on, I was driving. (laughs) um surprisingly i got more awake the longer the drive went uh the, the longer the, the the drive home went for some reason oh yeah yeah um and then we got home at about like one in the morning i think or 12 30 in the morning yeah it was late yeah um all right i think uh i think we did a good job talking about the week um what's uh what's in store for you in the future sam i
1: don't know man it's a start of a long journey here um you know this obviously with everything going on right now it kind of throws a lot of doubt and uncertainty over the future but you know we'll see we'll see what's going to happen down the line um i think i still want to be in socal for the next few years so hopefully can get promoted at my current job and um, just keep moving up from there eventually want to shift over to basketball ops so Um, I'm really just taking this time to be active on LinkedIn because this is like the perfect time. Everyone's at home. All these executives and stuff are at home right now too. So perfect time to reach out to people in the industry and like learn from them essentially. What
0: about you? Um, I'm staying a fifth year at UCI just to buy myself some more time, um, to network with people. So, you know, in case the sports thing doesn't work out a year from now, I may have something else to do. And, um, hoping I can keep this podcast running and just have more people come on. The, the real challenge will be like, what am I going to, who am I going to talk, uh, talk to after the NBA season is over and assuming like in our, the beginning of this episode where, where we don't think, uh, the, the season, the new season of any sports league is going to happen soon. Um, that's going to be a challenge, but, um, I think I'll, I think I'll be fine. Uh, last question. As Lakers fans, uh, how was how, how your experience working for the Clippers, man? It's been fantastic. Honestly,
1: like, it's just so ironic. Like you said, like, I'm a diehard Lakers fan. I, I'm the type of guy that is such a diehard. Like, I, I will never give the Clippers any due credit or anything. Um, but it's been awesome, man. Like, their organization, top to bottom, is just as advertised. I mean, Steve Ballmer, probably the most present owner, like, I've ever seen. Um, and he's just been awesome. Um, they actually gave us some time off, like, uh, initially during, um, when we were sent home and we were supposed to make, uh, outbound sales calls for next season. And when the pandemic first happened, like we were off the phones for like a month just because they wanted to be sensitive towards our fans and like, not really like push sales when people are dealing with like personal things. Um, And then when the whole social issues stuff arose like a month ago, we got the last like four weeks off, but like paid four weeks. So like, and like, I think, um, like a month or two ago, uh, we hopped on a zoom call with like Steve Ballmer and he was like telling everyone, like, I want everyone to hear from me. Like none of you guys will lose your jobs because he was like, I understand there's a lot of other teams across the league that have like furloughed their employees or like laid them off. And he's like, I want you to hear from me directly. Like, if we can make this work like you guys like you guys will not lose your jobs like i will do whatever it takes to like help you guys keep like stable income during this time and like work through it because like we need all of you guys and like we care for you guys so that's just like the type of guy that he is you know he's like willing to pay out of his own pocket if anything and he's like the 15th richest man in the world which i guess helps a ton but um yeah the organization has been awesome the culture has been pretty amazing uh, i've loved every part of it um I would love to get promoted here and just keep working for the next two, three years. Um, but, you know, eventually want to be able to work for, for my dream team.
0: But we'll see. I've personally sworn off uh, talking bad about the Clippers organization since getting <laughs> hired. Because everyone's just so nice to you. And uh, yeah. they gave me, like, my first sports job ever. So, um, yeah, it definitely am i would we really say we're, we're clippers sam I, I don't know about that um but you know they're they're a great organization to be a part of no hands down yep yeah all right uh sam shin thanks for uh, taking the time
1: yeah of course man thanks for having me on adam appreciated this conversation it was nice to reminisce on one of the best weeks of our lives